Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from Thankful Homemaker, and as always, I am so delighted to be with you today. As I'm recording this episode, we are approaching Christmas, and it's truly my favorite time of the year, as I am sure it is many of yours. And if you're looking for a bit more encouragement this season or some gift ideas, I have quite a few podcasts and posts to help you out. So check out the link in the show notes. It'll take you to all the Christmas-related posts on the blog. I did update my 2023 gift guide for this year, so I will make sure to link to that too. But before we start, I so want to express my gratitude to all of you for your ongoing support of Thankful Homemaker. I've been hosting this podcast for almost six years, that time has flown by, but I am thankful for each of you. Many of you have been so kind to support what I do here financially, and I so appreciate your support. You are a huge help to keep the lights on here at the blog and the podcast and to keep it up and running. And I'm so grateful for those of you that I get to interact with on social media. I'm so grateful for my email subscribers. If you don't, I so wish you would subscribe to my email because you get all the updates and access to the free library and just other goodies there. Um, reading the blog, her interaction in our private Thankful Homemaker Facebook group. I, every one of you are such a sweet blessing and encouragement to me. So I am super grateful for you. My friend, your role, your, your support, it truly means the world to me. And I do pray for my listeners on a regular basis. And one of my prayers for you is that your satisfaction would be found in Christ and him alone. That's always my hope here, and that's my prayer for you, that you would learn more about Jesus and his love would be evident in your lives as you care for and show that love of Christ to your family and friends. And today, I want us to delve or dive a little more into the heart of Mary. She's known to all as the mother of Jesus. <clears throat> I wish to draw our attention to her qualities as a humble, submissive, an obedient servant of the Lord. And I want to reflect today on her response to the Lord that we are all so familiar with in Luke 138. I kind of say it as her resounding yes, Lord statement. We all know it, and it's a desire that we probably all have on each of our hearts to do whatever the Lord asks of us without hesitation. So we are on episode 155. It's titled The Heart of a Servant, Lessons from Luke 138, another one of my lovely creative titles that I'm so bad at. I'm a little congested today, so I so apologize if I sound a little congested, but I really wanted to record and I was done waiting because it wasn't going away. So you're just going to get a little bit of stuffiness from me today and I apologize. Hopefully it's a little bit clear as I'm recording it. So what I do want to do is I want to back up a bit before we start digging into the passage in, in Luke. I, I know these are things we all know, but I just want these these truths fresh in our minds. I really want it fresh in my own mind. So it was a help to me in putting this episode together. I so enjoy my time in all the Gospels, but I really look forward to reading a chapter from Luke throughout the month of December. It works really well. I've been doing that for a few years, and I just really like it. But I also love how when I do that, my Bible reading in December then has me in Luke and in Revelation, I get to be reminded of Jesus's first and second comings. It's pretty special. So we come across Mary in the book of Luke first in Luke 1:26. We know that John the Baptist 
came before Mary, right? He's the forerunner, the messenger sent ahead to announce the coming of King Jesus. We see that text before we even get to Mary there in Luke chapter 1. One commentator stated how the stories of John and Jesus are laid out side by side for comparison. And I really like this. It's John and Jesus, two cousins, two pregnancies, two hymns of praise, and two deliveries at the beginning of two great lives. Our pastor just finished preaching through the book of Hebrews at church, and these two comparisons reminded me of a theme throughout the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better. And and John is the one the Lord called to prepare for the coming of God in the flesh, Jesus, the God-man. And as we see the lives of these two men, Luke begins his narrative he begins it from the lesser to the greater. So John is, as it states in Luke 1.15 there, is great before the Lord, but Jesus is greater. He is better and all glory goes to him. <clears throat> so let's take a peek here at these humble beginnings of Mary. So we move then to come to the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and letting her know that she is a favored one and the Lord is with her. And that's referencing there Luke 1, 26 to 28. So Mary was a young girl. They, they estimate probably even only 12 or 13 years old. I'm picturing this. I have a granddaughter who's 12. I cannot even imagine. <clears throat> but Mary was not from a wealthy family, but she was poor and uneducated. And in that lovely town of Nazareth, where Nathaniel's dated there in John 1:46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, obviously, what really good things came out of Nazareth? So Kent Hughes referred to Mary as a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. So there's sweet Mary living her ordinary mundane life, going about her day as usual, and in a moment, Everything in her life was just turned around. She was chosen by the Lord to be the mother of Jesus. Her position of being a lonely, humble servant was part of God's plan too. Martin Luther stated that God might well have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas's daughter, who was fair, rich, clad in gold, embroidered raiment, and attended by a retinue of maids and waiting. But... He continues, God preferred a lowly maiden from a mean town. James 4, 6 reminds us, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. <clears throat> and in Luke 1, 28, the, when Gabriel came to her and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So the word here that the angel used for favored is from the Greek word charis, and it means unmerited favor. It is saying that there was nothing in Mary that merited this favor. Mary just like you and me, she too was a sinner in need of a savior. Mary needed God's grace just as we do. Mary was shown favor because God chose to show her favor, not because she deserved it. Mary was the mother of the Messiah, and it was a great honor, and we need to acknowledge this. Martin Luther paraphrased Gabriel's greeting like this. He said, O oh Mary, you are blessed. You have a gracious God. No woman has ever lived on earth to whom God has shown such grace." Mary, Mary is not a source of grace, as some might falsely teach. The Bible never teaches that she was without sin. Mary has no grace to give others. Favored one is referring to the grace that Mary was given by God. So Mary was a lowly sinner. She received grace from God. And if we are in Christ, we have come before the Lord, acknowledging that we too are sinners and in need of God's grace. 
Mary was human and a sinner just like us, and she too acknowledged her need of saving. In Luke 1, 46 and 47, she states, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So sweet Mary is told by the angel she's going to conceive a son whom she shall call Jesus, and he will be called he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. He would be the Savior and the Son of God. This is written so we believe that we would come to know him as our Savior and King and worship him. So Mary doesn't doubt what the angel has just told her, but she asks in faith because she understands how this works. So she asks the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a very valid question for a young unmarried girl betrothed to a man and a girl who has maintained her purity waiting until marriage. The angel tells her how this will be. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Okay, I am working our way to our text today, but this the virgin birth of Jesus is so important and it's one of the greatest miracles our Lord has ever performed. So how can a woman become pregnant without sexual relations? I simply bring us to Luke 137. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I ask you, do you believe? As one commentator stated, if we deny the virgin birth, we deny the faith. The virgin birth was necessary for Jesus to be fully God and fully man and without sin. God sent Jesus into the world to be the perfect son of God, born without sin. The virgin birth of Jesus and his divine conception by the Spirit they were necessary for his incarnation. And the word incarnation means the act of being made flesh. It comes from the Latin version of John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So in his great love, God became a man in Jesus. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and fulfilled the law himself, taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in him. So I ask you, have you turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Not in your works, not in Mary. God's word is clear. There's one mediator between God and man, and it is Jesus. That's 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6. When you repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. God never promises an easy life, us, an easy life as believers, but he does promise once we are in Christ to never leave us or forsake us and to work all things for good to those who love him. So our dear Mary, I want to talk about her submission and faith here. She didn't have an easy road ahead of her. She was unmarried, pregnant, and she didn't have a very believable explanation to tell Joseph and her family how she became pregnant. She honestly didn't even have a full grasp of how this would probably all unfold, right? But Mary believed and she trusted and she submitted to the Lord's plan for her. She was an example of an obedient, trusting servant. I don't know what was going through her mind at that moment, but her simple and trusting response in Luke 138 is where we're going to camp a bit today. And her response says quite a bit about how she trusted God, obeyed him, and didn't even try to get out of this situation in any way. Let me read Luke 138. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So in Mary's gentle and straightforward response to the angel, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. A very profound truth unfolds. And this truth holds timeless relevance at the heart of our own Christian walk with the Lord. 
Mary's declaration reveals a heart willingly serving the Lord, and it should prompt each of us to reflect on our own hearts towards serving the Lord, towards serving others where the Lord has placed us in our homes and churches and neighborhoods and places of employment. And I think here in our role as Christian homemakers, we are to do more than to just complete tasks. And I'm so guilty to just go down the checklist of the day, not even thinking about it, right? Because our calling now being in Christ is sacred. As we serve others, it's a holy act to our families and others. But ultimately, we are serving the Lord and we don't always see it this way, but we need to. I believe that as Christian homemakers, our role extends beyond merely completing tasks, right? Our calling in Christ is sacred. Serving others is a holy act, benefiting not only our families and others, but ultimately we are serving the Lord as well. And the hope is to bring him honor and glory in the midst of our days and the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Mary's humility, it's also evident in her response. At that moment, she didn't assert her own desires or plans, but she yielded herself to God's higher purpose. When the Lord allows or brings various obstacles and trials and challenging circumstances into our days, are we willing to yield to him without question or complaint? Because in those moments, we, we probably forget that God is working out our sanctification in the midst of those moments, that he's growing us more and more into the likeness of Christ. And I know I don't remember that all the time. So how do we, as homemakers, approach our tasks with a humble, submissive spirit? How do we recognize that every aspect of our serving the Lord contributes to a greater narrative of God's plan for our lives and for our homes and our families? Do we view our work as sacred? I, I first heard this from Paul Washer years ago. I don't know if it originated from him, but I've repeated this statement probably multiple times to you. I know you're probably tired of it, but it's a reminder we all need that, that once we are in Christ, there's no separation between the secular and the sacred. All is sacred. So I am asking those above questions to myself because I don't always respond with the heart of Mary. And I can sadly be found too many times questioning and bucking against what the Lord has called me to do. I, I say it so often, I may not do it outwardly, but I'm doing it inwardly. And inward, my, my thoughts that aren't honoring the Lord, those are still sinful thoughts. <laughs> the Lord sees and knows all. And my thinking needs to be brought into submission to the Lord. I need to repent and turn from wrong thinking and seek the Lord's forgiveness and submit with a right heart to his plans for my day or that moment or that task or that circumstance or whatever it may be. I know his plans are good, right? I know Romans 8.28 is true that he's always working out all things for my good and his glory to those who love him, right? But I, at times, am a forgetful, selfish sinner who needs much grace and the loving discipline of a heavenly father who loves me more than anyone loves me. I think my husband loves me a lot, but thank you that my God loves me even more. That is unbelievable to me. So I love that. Our good God is merciful and he is kind enough to bring me back to that narrow road when I start to find myself wandering a bit. So uh, how do we transform these mundane tasks, tasks that we have into acts of worship? Because the seemingly mundane tasks of homemaking, folding laundry, preparing meals, maintaining our homes, grocery shopping, cleaning, they take on new significance when approached with a servant's heart. Mary's example challenges us to see these everyday activities as opportunities for worship. Folding laundry, preparing meals, maintaining the home, it, they may appear ordinary, 
But when we view it through the lens of Mary's example, they take on a new and profound significance. Just as Mary was a servant of the Lord, we are too. And this needs to permeate every aspect of our everyday lives. When we approach homemaking with a servant's heart, the perspective shifts from mere chores to acts of service. Folding laundry becomes an opportunity to care for the needs of our loved ones. Preparing meals transforms into a gesture of nourishing those we love, and maintaining the home becomes an expression of love and hospitality. Mary's example challenges us to redefine our understanding of worship. It it extends beyond the walls of a church building, right? Worship becomes a continuous lived experience. It's it's embedded in the rhythm of our daily activities. And this the simple acts of homemaking, when undertaken with intentionality, become opportunities for worship. Each fold of a towel, each stir of a pot, each sweep of a broom, it can and should be done as an act of worship to the Lord. The Lord is sanctifying us. I tell us this again and again. I tell myself this again and again as we go about our daily tasks, right? As as I'm crumbling and complaining, those are sins being revealed to me. And it's that moment that I can confess, repent, and turn from them and grow and with the hope that I'm not continuing that pattern, but I'm moving forward in my walk with the Lord. There's a purpose in our homemaking. And we forget sometimes that even our routine chores can be such a blessing in our lives. We can be mindful to give thanks to the Lord for his blessings as we fold laundry, even what might seem like a simple thought, okay? Those clothes that we're folding, they're now clean and they provide us warmth and comfort. There is so much right there that we have to give thanks to the Lord for. Praying for others as we clean their rooms or wash their clothes and prepare their food, it refocuses our minds that we're doing more than just mundane chores, but we're loving others that the Lord has placed in our lives and we're caring for them in practical ways. Mary is an example of how the heart of a servant responds, and it's an echo of the attitude of Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. I'm thinking Matthew 20, 28 there. As Christian homemakers, and again, I said I'm recording this in the busy season of Christmas when our schedules are full, there's probably a lot of extra tasks on our to-do list, we can find ourselves feeling overwhelmed and all of a sudden maybe we're becoming a bit short with others at times. But I want to remind us all, myself here included, that our homemaking is to follow the example of Jesus and ponder that, not just in this Christmas season, but in all seasons of our lives. How can we model selfless, submissive, submissive. I just like put together, I made a word, humble and submissive, selfless, (laughs) submissive, humble service in our homes with the heart and attitude and example of the humility of Christ. Jesus has not left us on our own. If, If we're in Christ, we have the fruit of the spirit. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit at work in us is to change us more and more into the image of Christ, making us moment by moment more like Jesus. Mary's obedience in the heart of a servant is one that we can take as an example to transform the routines of the day into ones that reflect the love and humility of the one we serve. Our homes can be sanctuaries where God's word isn't just spoken, but it's lived out. We should desire to create homes where we don't just profess to know Christ, but our faith is truly lived out. Mary's life from that moment of her saying, yes, Lord, was going to involve much pain. She would lose her reputation. She didn't really know. I mean, now after she knows, but she didn't know, possibly lose the man she was about to marry. 
She faced the the probability of being stoned for adultery, the pain ahead of her of childbirth, that unknown there as a young girl, the hard journey to Bethlehem, and then the watching her son die a cruel death on a cross. Mary submitted her life in that moment to God's will. She didn't know what the future held, but she did know who held the future. And you know what? Being in Christ, we know who holds the future. Mary believed with a full and trusting heart to the Lord. And this truly is what we are all to do as believers. Fully trust the Lord and be obedient to his word. Being in Christ, we too, like Mary, are servants of the Lord. Philip Graham Ryken and his excellent commentary that I really benefited greatly as I put this text together on Luke, he stated on this section, He said, this is what it means to be a Christian. Indeed, we might even say that Mary was the first Christian, for a Christian is simply a person who believes in Jesus and says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This means trusting God for our relationships, romantic and otherwise, not trying to make them go the way we want them to go, but letting God lead. It means trusting God in our daily work, allowing him to see our success. It means trusting God for ministry, being content with whatever blessing he brings or doesn't bring, as long as we are faithful. It means trusting God for our families, asking him to carry our burden for the people we love. It means trusting God with our troubles, the impossible things we have to face. And it means trusting God when we suffer reproach, as Mary did. If we follow God, then people will be as opposed to us as they are to him. But by faith, we will continue to follow him. He continues, are you willing to be God's servant? Then surrender to his will and submit to his word. Give up control, putting things into his hands rather than bending them to your own purpose. Live for God no matter what other people think and do this, even if it means suffering for the cause of Christ. By the grace of God, through faith in Christ, and by the work of his Holy Spirit, we are able to say what Mary said. Have it your way, Lord, not mine. I am ready to do your will. Mary's obedience has a lasting effect on us. End quote there. So my, and I will put that in the show notes. So my dear friend, may we too echo the words of Mary. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. As Christian homemakers, our homes are not just spaces filled with chores. They are sanctuaries where faith is nurtured, trust is built, and God's plan unfolds. May Mary's example inspire us to embrace our roles with humility, trust, and obedience, transforming our homes into beacons of God's love and grace. Because Jesus truly is enough always. I am so, so grateful for you, my friend. And as always, the main show notes are at the blog. If you get a moment and you're enjoying the podcast, can you just take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you listen in? It so helps others find the podcast. I'm so encouraged and I would so appreciate if you would take a moment. And I do pray that you have a very blessed week, my friend. Mm -hmm.